It's going on right now. Okay. All righty. We're, we're back in the heart of a warrior. I guess this would be session two of it. And uh, I want to remind anybody that's streaming with us or the ones that are present with us about what uh, Chief Sitting Bull had to say about the subject. He said this, warriors are not what you think of as a warrior. The warrior is not someone who fights because no one has the right to take another life. The warrior for us is one who sacrifices himself for the good of others. His task is to take care of the elderly, the defenseless, those who cannot provide for themselves, and above all, the children, the future of humanity. And I really like that sitting bull, the chief of the Ogallala Sioux, which is one of the bigger, more famous tribes about which a lot of the Western movies have been made, right? And so uh, he made that statement. You wouldn't typically think of a Native American sitting around having time to think up philosophical thoughts like that, but apparently they did, and that was pretty good. I think that's pretty powerful. Uh, the two things that we want to pass on in the heart of the warrior is expectation, confident expectation, number one, and then an entrustment with something valuable here on this. And this is the fact that we've got to get used to the idea that we are loved. And in being loved, we should be able to pass it on. What was the uh, the movie? It's Pay It Forward. Am I remember that movie from the 25 years ago or so, Pay It Forward? Mm-hmm. You know, they were told to, to pass it on. The thing is, God charges us to pass that entrustment on with us something very valuable here on the earth. And I'd mentioned about how I had people that worked for me that people are so unused to the love of God coming through anybody else around them. They're, uh, Dola and I were talking about uh, some of the uh, adoptive family members that we're connected with here in the area. And some of them have been with her since they were three or four years old. They're, they were children, and now they're grown-ups, and one of them is married and all. And, and how that she was describing their family life. And I must be spoiled. Maybe you're spoiled life to our family life. Maybe you were spoiled in family life, too. Uh, yes, you heard the story of my birth father just kind of abandoning and going on his own way and then and trying to come back in later as an adult and stuff. And you heard that, and, and I got over that, okay? I managed to survive and go past that. But uh, there were issues in our household. It wasn't all roses and, and all that and roses and chocolate. It was... There was gravel and there was rocks thrown, you might say. And uh, there were times I can remember as a younger 5th, 6th, 7th grader, something like that, 5th grader, I can remember my mom and the man I called Daddy who adopted me at 15. I can remember them getting into a fuss. And before the fuss is over, she is, my mama is screaming at us, get your clothes packed, we're leaving. And we're just tore to pieces because, you know, we had the daddy abandon us. We're just ripped to shreds by that. We can't, we can't leave daddy, you know, that kind of thing. I can remember times like that, not all the time, but times like that, how that wasn't always perfect, how they didn't always seem to love each other perfectly. Yet we had a good role model for parents. And my daddy, daddy in spite of his own father's shortcomings as a dad, he, I think he was rebelling against what he was brought up in, what he was trying to be that father person that his own dad wasn't to him. So, you know, I had that to, to look back on. He left us for heaven, and on January 15th of 2015, he had just turned 70 years old. He'd been fighting uh, some uh, a form of blood cancer he'd gotten from. As a welder, they use benzene and some other chemicals, and they weren't properly OSHA safety training these guys to deal with this stuff. So... He's pretty well bathed in this stuff all the time, and it got in and caused blood cancer. And uh, he, uh, he ended up leaving us for heaven in 2015. I was, uh, I was doing a home cell group. We called it a grow group in Oklahoma. And the subject was healing. Is Andrew Womack's book. We did, we did a book study through a book over a period of, of three months, three and a half months. It's called a grow group, and mine was on the healing power of the Lord by Andrew Womack really outstanding. Well, we're in the middle of this. We're praying for people to be healed. We finished. We're standing in a circle. My phone rings, and I look over and see it's from my mother. And answer the phone, and she is, ah, she's just wailing at the top of her voice. He's not here. He's he's dead. He's dead. You know, I'm thinking, what, what, what happened? Mimi, we call her Mimi. Mimi, what, what happened? 
your daddy, he just died. And you know, it wasn't a fun thing to experience at all, especially right in front of people you're, you're teaching and preaching healing. Right. Couldn't get your own daddy healed. Well, my own daddy, that's a whole nother subject, a whole nother, we'll do it in the church one of these days. We'll have the next course on film will be called Healing, Health, and Wholeness. And we can talk about that. Yeah, when, when is that going to come out? I, I am still working on the editing to get it in position, divided into 45 to 50 minute classes, segments. And we can sit down in the big office or anywhere. We could sit and do it in here, whatever. Just for this, just if you don't want to sit down and look at them for 40 minutes every day, there is going to be an audio version. Yeah, oh, so yeah, you podcast. Just don't have to, yeah. Podcast so you don't have version. to look at them. And well, the, the overseas guys might like the, the audio version better, you know. <laughs> But they'll, uh, what, what, now I didn't give this praise report. Last Tuesday I mentioned that we had an appointment in Rochelle to meet the founder and the president or whatever of King Television in Pakistan. They had the Lord rough him up. Powerful man of God, him and his wife were there. Uh, John and Rochelle is their names. And uh, John, we, we visited for a while and he said, I will uh, Facebook friend me and get a hold of me, and I will get, get my technical guy to give you any kind of technical requirements that we need on your filming, what we would need on that to, to uh, put it on the television station. So they're wanting to do that. They go into 163 nations of the world. What is it, King Broadcasting? King, the, it could be King Broadcasting. It's the King Television Network, as far as I know. But I, I friended him on Facebook, and, and Dola got uh, Rochelle on Facebook, so... We'll be getting back with you soon on what the te- technical requirements are on the filming. We don't have to go buy a $10,000 TV camera. We can do it on the iPhone, as a matter of fact. Well, we're doing one better. We can shoot. Well, yeah, have him. Have the guy that they're tech people. Yeah. Either you got my email, either email me or we'll do a Zoom call or whatever they want. Yeah. And we will do that. What Another thing that here's an exciting thing because... The warrior heart, one of the things I wanted to kind of touch on this evening is the fact a warrior ends up in the grand scheme of things. A warrior is actually a leader. Now, maybe there is a captain and a sergeant and all that stuff, but a, a true warrior, a true warrior's heart, and then according to the description of Sitting Bull there, a warrior is a leader because leadership is really nothing more than influence, if you think about it. You ever thought about it? You ever desired to be the leader, a leader, the leader? I'll tell you what's happened to me through the years. I grew up with that spirit of rejection for all, the, all through the youth and all that. And as I got older, I found myself, um, I volunteered to teach Sunday school at the Pentecost Church of God where I would actually came to the Lord, committed, fully committed, in Arizona there. And I volunteered to help with whatever, and they put me in charge of the what they call the junior Sunday school, which is second, third, fourth, fifth grade, like that, elementary age. And I went in there, and I guess it was the influence of the Spirit of God. Before I know it, I have I wrote to Kenneth E. Hagin's ministry uh, because I had talked to him about going to school there. And I wrote to him and said, I am now 19 years old, 18, 18, and I'm in charge of the junior Sunday school, and I want to introduce your books into make a library here for the Sunday school students and also the adults. If they want to get in and study, I would like to do that. Would you please send me an order, the material thing and the cost and all that, to order a set of every one of your books and tapes? And I get back in the mail to the church, great big box, everything, everything that was available, they sent me a copy of. And we, wow. we had a church library there. You know, that's influence. That's, that is a type of leadership. That's influence. And uh, they... Uh, I, I was back at the church. I'd gone off to Tulsa and then had gotten married and was on church staff in Oklahoma there. But I had come back to visit, and I stopped by. Victor, is Victor Tabernacle, so it's called. Stopped by for service. Brother Gary, come up, come up and preach. <laughs> Where else would they do something like that? Oh, Pentecostal church, right? Come on up. Come on up and preach. Get up there, and, and Brother Elliot says, yeah. He says, Brother Gary went off to Bible school and just stayed. <laughs> he was joking about that. But got up there, and I discovered they had been studying that library. I mean, they were against. They were they were against Kenthy Hagen and all that old faith stuff. They were against that. But 
I mean, it's right. Kennedy Hagen was uh, presenting it right out of the Word of God. He wasn't making some funny doctrine or something. He was taking the verses out and saying, look what Jesus said. Look what Jesus did. This is how he did it. This is what he said to do about it. This is what he did to the devil over that. And he says, whenever I did this, he'll tell a story about his own pastoral experience or, or traveling, how that he had done this, and the Lord had impressed him, look, here's the, here's the word. Tell the people to do this. And they did. And he said, he says, I did, they did, and he did. Everybody laughs, you know, because right. the word works. That's one of his phrases. So I, I got in there. Those I discover uh, I was there uh, during the preliminaries to me getting up there. Brother Ellie is up there saying some things, and his white sister, Ellie, was a dynamite preacher. She was the real preacher of the family. She, they're both ordained. She was the real preacher, but he was more of a teacher. But they're saying stuff, and I hear them saying stuff straight out of these books. <laughs> They've been, had been watching and putting it to work in the church and all that. And the church, I mean, it started to do this over the years. Now, he's gone on to be district superintendent, and, and they've retired and all that. I, I think maybe he's in heaven now, but they've retired. But the church is still there. I can still go by there. I can still drive there today. It's still there. So praise God for influence that we, the, the uh, sociologists, the researchers, scientists in that area, they, they say this, <coughs> every person, no matter how, how introverted, and maybe you think of yourself as introverted, I always considered myself introverted because of that rejection thing, and I didn't offer myself to people too much. I took and all. an internet quiz and found out I was an introvert. You found out you are? No. Well, <laughs> I'm just mocking the you, internet quiz. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> you're, not, you're not an introvert. <laughs> but anyway, the most introverted person, they influence at least 10,000 people over their, the period of their life. And influencing is a way, it's, that's the way you lead you're influencing. Leadership is just influence. A warrior has a, a charge before God. Uh, I love Sitting Bull's little thing, how to take, you take care of the elderly, you take care of those who can't provide for themselves, uh, the helpless, and the children. You care for them. You watch out for them. And that is a, a huge circle of influence if you think about it. We don't want to be an influencer like, like Custer was. No. Um, no. Remember the, move, the line from Little Big Man Custer is there with the Indians all around him, and he's saying, "Take no prisoners." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want to have a leader. You want to be a leader with your eyes open, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so anyway, the, the the sociologist made that statement. Every every person, the most introverted, the ones that are extroverts, so there are millions they could lead, you know, or whatever, but. The most introverted person, the most withdrawn person, will influence 10,000 folks over their lifetime. A lifetime we, we typically think of 70, 80 years old as a lifespan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, according to, to God's word, there's in Psalm number 90, Psalm 91 is the famous one, you know. He, with a long life, he will satisfy and show him salvation, right? And it no, says he'll give his no, angels charge over you and all that. Is that direct influence or you influence this one and therefore... It, 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 you, because it kind of tends to go that way. What, that's, that's, that was going to bring that up, that okay. your influence. Uh, I really want to sometime, if I get back through Oklahoma and stop in Pahuska, Oklahoma, or somewhere near there. Remember the Cactus Tom fellow I told you about? Yeah. Remember he, he worked for me on the construction crew, and yeah. I met him. He, we were doing a, a state of Kansas project in Kansas, and little Pee Wee Dave brought Tom with him one day. We were short of hand. He brought him with him from Tulsa. And uh, uh, come to find out, <laughs> Dave kind of made fun of Tom all the time because he was a little slow up here, you know, and, and a, he didn't have a lot of sense, I guess. Uh, but <laughs> he was, uh, I'll give you an example. When he was 29 years old, he got tired of dealing with teeth, so he had all his teeth pulled. 29, huh? So he ran around the job like Dr. you know. Sometimes it puts some fake ones in there, but that, that's the kind of mentality we were dealing with. So we were at that job site, and I mentioned to you, we heard a screaming noise from the front of the building because he was scared to crawl up a, an eight-foot ladder on the building roof to get to work with us. Okay, Tom, you, you do clean up and keep the kettle, keep it clean around the kettle and drop the tar in the kettle a little for us. So. Okay, well, it's quiet. Put, we're all doing stuff. that down there for you, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> We about need it. Yeah, well, but we're, we're all doing our thing, and we hear this, ah, just loud screaming. 
we're all, man, what happened? What happened? We're all running over. Did he jump in the kettle of tar? What happened? And we get down there, and he was on the ground, writhing, holding his knees, oh, like this, and come to find out he'd been picking some paper up from the flower beds, which had nothing but cactus plants in them, and kneeled right on a cactus plant with both legs. So we, that, he, he's never lived that one down. We, we gave him the name Cactus Tom after that. Oh, the, Kansas, the Kansas worker people That's gave him the name Cactus Tom. Yeah. So, Tom, I mentioned that he called me. Lord, it had to be 15 years after. That was 1990, 91. Yeah, it had to be 97, 96, something like that. He called and said, uh, yeah, man, I hadn't talked to you in a while. Probably been six, seven, eight years, something like that. Yeah, I hadn't seen you in a while. I just wonder how you was doing. And on, he's talking, and he said, yeah, we're, we're living back in Pawhuska now and, and doing real well. And he said, I had to let you know something. He said, um, I know you gave me a hard time, and I did. I gave him a hard time just playing with him and stuff. You gave me a hard time and stuff and teased me a bit, but he said, you know what, whatever that was you, you had going on in your life, he said, I saw that, decided that I, I wanted some of that, and uh, I listened to what you said, and he said, I, I got baptized here three weeks ago. And he said, my wife went and got baptized with me. And this coming week, my kids, little, little, Mark, little Marcus and little Tommy, Timmy, get baptized and all. And we're going to this certain church over in Pawhuska, and we want to let you know that, that it's a direct result of, of what you lived like before me. And because people so desperately, you know, like Sitting Bull, they're talking about passing on a, a precious thing. People want love. People want uh, esteem. People want, they want value, they want to feel valued, to feel esteemed, and most of all, they want to feel the love of God. There's that, uh, maybe you've heard it from Ephesians 4, there is a hole in the heart of humans that, that haven't come to the Lord, you know, it talks about, uh, you, were, you were heathen, you were without God and without hope, that's the word, hope without a confident expectation. So there is this hole, that's that confident expectation that needs to be filled in every human being, every unredeemed one. And it's a, I call it a Jesus-shaped hole. What it really is is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the giving of the son fills that hole, and everybody wants to sense that in their life. I, I, I sit here running these rabbit trails. I was talking about families. Dola was referring, and some of y'all might even know one of, some of these people she's talking about maybe. She's talking about the, these the, the girl's parents that the dad left mom because mom was practically a psychopath. I mean, bipolar or something or other, and didn't know how to display proper love to children. She had these two little girls, three little girls, didn't know how to didn't know how to let love flow through. I guess and it was all shut off. They lived and brought up, uh, grew up That's under that household. Negative Custer influence. That yeah, somebody did that with the mom yep and, and so she never acquired um, a, a good concept of how to right people are destroyed for a lack of them. knowledge yeah. yeah they're destroyed for a knack, lack of knowledge that's yeah. what it amounts to so the mom was in and some of y'all might even know the mom I don't know because they they did have some connection here way back but um, she described that that was the house that these two girls grew up in with a, a psychopathic bipolar mama yeah. and you never knew if she was going to be hot or cold that's the way that is I guess in that disease or whatever and then the dad when they were two years old I guess he had enough of mom so he just walked away but he's still around they don't talk to him or nothing but he's, he's still around here and, and y'all might even know him but uh, yeah, he's, I wonder if it's what I think it is now but, but you know that the, the, he's um He's even tried to keep a, a handle on the Lord. She said, oh, yeah. I said, so was, was this because the family didn't know the Lord? Or oh, no, no, their families were all Christians. they all church-going Christians and all that. I said, wow, really? She said, oh, yeah, yeah. said that the, 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 the male part of the equation she's talking about, his family wasn't. They were heathens, and, oh, Lord, the stuff that he had to put up with. And these are wonderful kids. They come over, uh, celebrate Christmas with us every year. Not on the day, but I mean, at some point we have Christmas together. Matter of fact, the, the, 
the uh, cologne that I'm wearing tonight was what they gave me for Christmas last year. I thought it was some of that, that you know, dollar uh, off the internet stuff or something. And she right. says, no, no, this is expensive. Dola smelled it and said, this is expensive cologne. <laughs> they gave it to you? Wow. <laughs> I know where they got it from, she said. <laughs> yeah. <So laughs> they, they're wonderful people. And I keep prophesying over you're going to have wonderful children. Well, they'll be kind of like our grandchildren. Oh, no, no, no. You don't, don't say that to us. No, no. But they're wonderful people, but yet they grew up in that environment, in that uh, they didn't have the love of God displayed in their house, in their home. Okay? And that's what people so strongly have this craving for, is to have genuine love from heaven shown to them by someone. Yeah. By someone, you know, not... They can't watch, you can't get it on TV, and you really can't, even though it's becoming more that way, you really can't get it on the Internet. You know, we see that in the examples of the ladies that are bamboozled by some guy that gets on the Internet and, and sweet talks them, and can you send me $400, you know, or whatever, that kind of thing. You know, we see that. Uh, we're really not going to see real love. The real love is boots on the ground face to face. And that's actually the plan of God. That's why the local church is so incredibly important in the plan of God. It's not, it's not just a clubhouse. It's not just a kind of, and, and a bunch of them have turned it into a clubhouse. I don't know if y'all have noticed it in life. I've been around the world, in, in the church world, all over the place. Um, a lot of the overseas ones, they do, they do have a genuine love and care for each other. But yet, they get into the same kind of fusses that we get in here. Getting get on the wrong side of each other, they do that. They're people. Mm-hmm. But you see that. I, I've, uh, especially the gigantic churches, they, 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 they tend to be a clubhouse. We've got to go to clubhouse Sunday. Right. That's the attitude. Well, we, need to, we need to nod to God and go to the clubhouse Sunday. We've got to have our, our fix for Sunday. And, and God's way, the love of God's way is to be bonded and be together you can read that throughout the new Testament. to be bonded it says we are one in the holy spirit mm-hmm. be bonded together well, you got something to add but like you're saying the mega church is kind of a clubhouse but it's, it's easy to turn into okay it's easy to turn into but if you notice that too i know some churches it's kind of they got their own little clan or clique like you did in high school certain <clears throat> people sit here and talk then you got another group that sits here Yep. And then if you're a newcomer, and I've experienced it, newcomer. They're good like, luck. Yeah, oh, good, good luck. luck. Yep. Good luck. Good luck. We'll see if we'll let you in, buddy. That kind yeah, of yep, exactly. I, I, have, I have been staff and and uh, attender of mega churches a couple of times in my life. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. If you're not in the cool group or the cool crowd, you know, that, that comes. I, I saw that in schools growing up because my daddy worked for Shell Oil and moved us around. Every and there's six months between moves at times, and so you come to these schools and you're you didn't grow up with us. Who do you think you are? You're not one of us. <laughs> that all the time. So and it happens. Sadly, it happens in the church world. The one thing that Jesus made a statement to replace everything in here, all these commandments: Thou shalt not, Thou shalt not, all these things that are commanded in here, he gave one a new commandment I give you. That you love one another like I have loved you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love one another the way I have loved you. So that's what it ends up. That's the cure for this love deficiency. We call it L LDS, love deficiency syndrome. There's a church by that name too, right? <laughs> love, yeah, defi- right. love deficiency syndrome. Uh, that that all humanity humanity seems to be afflicted with, and, and Cactus Tom was a good example. I had another one that rode our, our kid that rode our school bus. He became an adult, got married, had a child. This was a good fifteen years after I'd seen him last in the bus, and uh, and we really watched over this kid because he was kind of a halfway a wild child. He had a single mom who who wasn't real socially adaptive with people. Didn't go out and involve herself with much of the people, so we loaded both of them on the bus every Sunday and brought them to church and tried to make them both feel part of the church and all that. Oh, see there, that's CBS right there, sports. Da-da-da-da-da. Seven in the morning it does that, and Dola's like, 
I was guessing it was 7 o'clock and some sporting event was on. Yeah, it's something about it. Yeah, yeah. 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 it's something about it. Dave normally Okay, I see what you did. <laughs> see how it says on? Okay. No, we'll do that. Okay, cool. Dola, thanks you. <laughs> no, she won't. <laughs> so, you just don't know it yet. <laughs> uh, that, that one, that Jesus-shaped hole is in there, so people are desperate. That's the desperation inside of people. They may, you, you, you've known people that have it all together, right? The big stud muffin of the school, high school or whatever, you know, the, the homecoming king and all that stuff. You've seen those kind. But you get near them afterward, you get in private with them, and you'll discover they've got that hole too, and they're desperate for the same thing that you and everybody else are. They just hide a little better. Yeah. The club, the clique members, they end up hiding a little better. They hide behind the walls of the clique. And keep that out of your sight. But they get behind the walls of the clique and they're crying and bawling to each other over the same things. What do I do? I don't feel loved. Or it's either that, and speaking from experience, it's either that, if they're a real thing, they're worried about, that's either that or they'll worry about every little thing that I didn't get a grade. I got a B instead of an A. Yeah. What's wrong? I should have got an A. I didn't measure up. Yep. That's that rejection syndrome deal I, I dealt with. I, I uh, As a, a grade school, I think we, ended up, we were moving to Texas, and I was going to be in third or fourth grade. We're driving down with U-Hauls. I think my mom's driving with a trailer, and my dad's driving the big U-Haul. And we, we're going on the way there, and my dad is son. He didn't call me son then. Gary, boy. He said, boy. <laughs> He said, you got to get your grades up because I was second grade. They wanted to flunk me because I wanted to play Cowboys and Indians in the aisle with my buddy Robert all the time instead of listening to the teacher and doing the work. So my mama took the Board of Education to the seat of learning and got that straightened out. By third grade, I was able, I was heading toward A's and stuff. And he says, boy, he says, you got to get your grades. I need straight A's out of you, boy you got to have straight A's. If you're going to make any money, that was his big deal. If you're going to make any money in life, you need to make sure you get straight A's on that report card. <laughs> That's not true, right? <laughs> some, of the, some of the billionaires in life didn't even graduate high school, you know? But then if you're confessing, <clears throat> I do this with my son. Or you don't be the best you can be, but confess that you are going to get A's and B's and keep reminding them. Believe for it. Yep. Believe for it. Put your... And say put you your, are put going your to get faith out. You can, you will. Yeah, and and that's a whole nother seminar right there, Jeff. Because oh, well, I didn't want you to get out of tangent. I'm just Jesus saying. Jesus talked about talked about the kingdom of God works this way, putting a seed into the ground, and you don't know how it grows, but it grows up, and there comes a point that you harvest, you get the results of it. That's what he's talking about. That's the reason you need to your your heart is ground, and it believes what comes out of this mouth more than any, anything else in life. You believe what's here. So that's a good thing. To, is it Cody or you're telling us? No, it's Xavier. Okay, you know it, you can. That's good training. Say, don't accept people telling you you're stupid or you're not going to amount to anything. Ah, you messed up or any of that stuff. Just say no, no, no. I know this. My daddy has told me this. I'm going to do this, and I'm coming out on top of this. I'm going to be straight A's because you know what'll happen is you'll tell your God. spirit man, your subconscious. Yeah. You'll tell. Okay, now make sure you heard what he said. You make sure you do what it, what you need to do to get those A's. Not in, not in an immoral way. Just yeah. it'll it'll the, the the psychiatrist discovered your inner man will sit there and guide you the direction of what you've been telling it to do. Mm-hmm. And the best thing is to tell it what this says, but it'll guide you in that direction is what it'll do. That's just uh, psycho psycho psychopathic no <laughs> psychological <laughs> principles that apply in life and just the, the mental area and all. So anyway, where were we? We were at uh, the love. How the importance of passing on the love—that's the treasure that's entrusted. We have a confident expectation. We're headed that way. We have our ticket punched. We're headed that way. We're in that kingdom. We're not of this world, but we're of that world. But we're in this kingdom. We're introducing that world to this world. We're imposing that world upon this world where we are. We're having dominion and we're fruitful and multiplying and having dominion over this earth, over our earth, over our earth. We're having dominion. That's leadership. That's influence. That's dominion. That's what that 
you know, God already, God already commanded each of us to be a leader, right? In, the, in that blessing, he commanded us to be a leader, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. Have dominion over the, the fowls, the, everything else, and your earth, have dominion over it. Be a conqueror. When you go to the New Testament, the command is be more than a conqueror, huh? Kings and priests unto our God. We are. And uh, there's that verse in Romans 5. It says, uh, we have received this gift of righteousness through the Lord Jesus, right? It says, if we receive this gift, we'll be rulers. We will be, it says, we will reign or rule in life through Jesus Christ. We'll be on, we'll be the head, as he said in the blessing in, in Deuteronomy, the head and not the tail. And realize, people sit there and debate with you. You know, there are certain groups you hear on the radio and stuff. They'll debate with you. Oh, that's all. None of that applies to any earthly anything. It's all some spiritual thing, some pie in the sky thing we got to wait for. So don't apply that here on the earth. It strictly applies to up there. Well, that's not true. How do I know that? How do I know that? Jesus prayed something. Remember what he prayed? Pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. So how can they say none of that applies down here? Hmm? How can they say that? That's, that's a lie. It's false. Doctrine of demons, okay? So we need to realize this important thing. He's entrusted this with us. We need to realize who we are as a warrior. And get back into the notes here because we went off on a whole lot of different stuff here. <laughs> The hardest thing in to, to attain this world, but the most transforming thing in the whole universe, we're hoping for this. God is love, so believe together with him according to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is confidence in what we expect from him and assurance about what we don't see. Uh, over a time in partnership and in the process of walking with Father God, we need to commit to gather for an investing, a giving of something valuable which in this section session of WP should should be enlightening and valuable to each one of us as a warrior for Christ, as a warrior heart. And it doesn't necessarily mean things get easier, right? I, I do appreciate James Cowan sharing. You hear me talk about favor all the time, right? And maybe you've heard me say, I've said to a number of folks, I said, listen, if if things stuff is popping up and it's opposition, you figure if it's killing, stealing, destroying from the enemy coming against you, I said, you're surrounded by God's favor, Psalm 512. Quote that out loud. Psalm 512, I hold the favor of God that surrounds me against you in Jesus' name. Favor, get it right now. <laughs> Apply the favor of God to it. So we need to, it, it doesn't mean things necessarily get easier, but they become victorious for you because that favor, he shared about how how you're going down the path of that favor, and there could be stuff coming your way that, that doesn't look so hot. You know, he shared about some instances of different people and stuff that it happened, but yet they came out on top. They were favored to come out on top, and that's the attitude that we need to have as warrior. We'll get better because of what we're depositing, the adventure that we're engaging in, in the heart of the warrior. Now, Saul on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9 he was confident he was headed to the right direction. I don't know if you remember the story of Saul, not the King Saul, but this was Paul the Apostle before he transformed into Paul. He, he, he was headed in the right direction. It says that he was very zealous for the Lord and for God's word. And so it says that he was uh, mightier than anybody else in attacking this attack on their religion, what it was. They, they thought that the Christians were trying to do away with, with the Jewish religion. To them, it was an attack upon God, as far as they were concerned. And, and it was going to take away their clique, their Jewish clique. going <laughs> to take it out of existence. So he, uh, he, he was a real go-getter. Uh, uh, his name, Paul, means little guy, little fella. Uh, and he was, a, 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 he was shorter and smaller than the average dude, you know. So, but he was mighty in the Lord, I like to say, he was probably one of the three great intellects of history, of human history. You know, you have Jesus, of course, who's the creator, but you've got Alexander the Great, an absolute genius. You can go back and read the history of things that he, he shared and things that he planned and did and all that, a genius. And, then, and he was a nation builder, you might, empire builder, nation builder, 
Paul was another great genius of history. No one ever liked him. I, I, I sometimes can't wait to think about getting back up on the other side of the light line and someday seeing him and having the opportunity to sit down and say, Paul, uh, you, you said this in Ephesians, these, these verses here. What exactly brought that out in your thinking? Well, we know the Holy Spirit did, but Paul, what was the logic behind that? Because there is logic behind what God says in here. I mean, it, it, it doesn't say be transformed by the removing of your mind. It says by the renewing, the reprogramming of your mind, not the removing of it. We don't throw any logical thought out. It's just we have a different level of thought, heavenly level of thought here in this word. So uh, I hope I'm not running ahead of everybody and losing everybody here. So Paul thought he was doing the right thing. Sometimes uh, he was in a false process, okay? He was under the influence of, of demons, religious demons, actually. And sometimes we get involved. We think we're doing the right thing. I've seen it. I've been at, on this earth 61 years. You beat me by a little bit. Yeah. I think we're around the same, right? No. No? Am I the old man or are you the old man? I, I will be 70 in August. Really? <laughs> You're younger then. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay, I, I thought you were younger than that. that. Consider that a compliment, right? I thought you were younger. So, you know... <laughs> Uh, all the years that I've been around, I have seen people. I have seen there are people that I've, I've even loved and been connected to, and they would get involved in a false process of thinking, and be going all out after something. We'd say, "No, no, John, John, stop! Listen to me, brother. I'm gonna tackle you and hold you, <laughs> and we're gonna talk or something, buddy." I've seen that happen, and then they keep going and going and going, and eventually. Uh, if it's something spiritual, they run into, like Paul said, that God said to Paul, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks in the, in the road, huh? You're going the wrong way, it's hard. That same thing can happen. Get off on the wrong process. We need Jesus sometimes to do an intervention like Saul and take the scales from our eyes. You remember that story? It said that Ananias, he said, go into Damascus. He, he, he met him on the, the, the highway, to the interstate to Damascus there. Knocked him off his camel or horse or donkey or whatever. He fell to the ground. It says there were scales on his eyes. He was blind. And he had to be led around. And it says he went to Damascus. He says, go and, and stay with Ananias. And I'll tell you what to do there. Or he said, am I getting my story mixed up? He didn't say go stay with Ananias. He said, stay, go there to Damascus. And you'll be staying there, and I'll tell you what you should do. And it says after three days, Ananias came because Ananias, the Lord told Ananias to come. And Ananias laid his hands on it. It says scales came off his eyes. His eyes were opened up. So sometimes we need scales to come off our eyes, the eyes of our understanding, so we can be a true warrior for Christ. So we talked about Braveheart. And you remember, I, I still haven't got a chance to look, pull that up on Netflix and watch it, but and I'm not sure Dola would be approved of it, be watching with me, but that's okay. I got three TVs, so. <laughs> so uh, he told those, uh, the, the people with him were ready to compromise with, with Longshanks, excuse me, coffee, with Longshanks, who was psychopathic. The funny thing is, in these royalties, I was a history major in college and stuff, and I, so we did papers, research papers and stuff. It's a lot of intermarriage, and you get geniuses, and you get idiots. Insanity. <laughs> they would be bipolar to the 10th power kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And get craziness in their brains and, and become psychopaths. A murderous psychopaths. And all the thing is, all they had to do is give the order, and the people their heads would come off, you know, that kind of deal. So Longshanks was sitting there. He'd made a deal with them, supposedly they were all going to come. And he told them, come on, lay your arms down, come on, and we'll live together for happily ever after. And uh, uh, Wallace, Braveheart, is telling those guys, no, 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 we've been there, done that, buddies. We're not going to compromise this time. Yeah, you'll live, he, he told that one guy, the one warlord. Sure, you'll live if we surrender now. Yeah, you'll live. But he said, 50 years from now, you'll be dying in your bed and wishing you had done something different on this day. He said, what we need to do is make sure that, that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. 
and Scotland became a free nation after that. Still connected to England, but, but a free nation after that. Um, so we've been entrusted with something very valuable. I discussed that, the love of God. Uh, it's an honor to have that entrusted us. It tells us I'm enough. I'm enough to keep safe. I'm enough to deliver it wherever Father God wants it delivered. I'm important to him. The important thing that we do, we understand who we are, what we've been entrusted with, our mission and our possession that we have to distribute. The, uh, what was that movie? The, uh, Pat, not pass it on, but I was talking about earlier, you know. Pay it forward. Pay it forward, yeah. Our possession to pay forward. And we're urged, we're urged, we're impressed because the owner of that possession, that life, the love of God, right? The owner of that possession puts it in us, and he wants us to share it. That's our mission as a warrior, to share that. It's a kingdom of love. Yes, there's wrath. Yes, there's angels. Uh, I was just reading in Second Kings. Hezekiah, if you remember the story of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, coming to besiege him. And the, the king's representative comes out and begins to shout in Hebrew to the people up on the walls of Jerusalem. Hey, people, why don't you just come on down and open the doors and, and we'll take you out and you can, you can drink from your vine and, and milk your cows and all that and, and just live happily ever after. And then we'll come and we'll take you to another more beautiful land with more. He was offering that in Hebrew and the... the, the, uh, the Secretary of State and all down talking to him said, please, talk to him. In, 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 we understand your Assyrian language. Don't talk in Hebrew. And he says, why shouldn't I talk to them? They're the ones that are going to be drinking their own urine and eating their own feces because they'll be starving. Why shouldn't I tell them? He was insulting. Why shouldn't I tell them this God that you think that's going to rescue you is a liar? Why shouldn't I tell them that? That's what's going to happen, Right. And Hezekiah and the guys went back into town, or that the representative went back in the town with their ripped clothing and fasting and all that, and told Hezekiah, and Hezekiah said, we got to pray. And they prayed and prayed and prayed. And Isaiah, the prophet, was in the town at the time, one of the greatest of the prophets. And he says, I, we just reading that in Isaiah a couple nights ago. Bill and I, we do our Jesus time. And that was in there. Tonight, as a matter of fact, we get to hear the results of that prayer. He prayed... And Isaiah, they sent him Isaiah, and Isaiah said, Go tell the man who sent you, the Lord has said this and this and this and this, and that I will take him by the nose and lead him back to his own home, and he'll die there. And that night, this is, boy, I wish we had a, would have had a way to, to uh, YouTube that or, a, or to TikTok it or something, this battle. The Assyrian, see, this is like the USA coming against Iraq. Uh, you were probably a teenager when that happened, 91, 90, 91? No, I still remember it. I remember the night, uh, I think Bush came on TV and said, we're at war with Iraq. We are now at war. You remember that? Yeah. I, I, well, I, it was Wednesday night. We go in. I was uh, attending, ra- traveling out of Rain Bible Church at the time. Big church, you know. Kenneth Hagin Jr. gets up and says, well, he says, Operation Desert Shield is now Operation Desert Storm. We are at war, people. Bam, he bams the pulpit real out. <laughs> he says, pray. <laughs> so I remember that, that. That it was like, what did it take us, two days or something to defeat Iraq or three days or something? Yeah. I mean, they were pretty well wiped out. That was the kind of situation facing Jerusalem, facing Hezekiah, this little penny ante nation, not even as big as New Jersey, and all, and not near the weaponry, not near the, the skill in soldiers, the training, no, not the special forces like the Assyrians. And the Assyrians were out there camped. Uh, there were probably a quarter million of them out there, everybody around. And they were laying siege and building little things to go up to the walls, stairwells and all that. And uh, that, that first night, the Lord said, don't worry about him. That first night, it says God sent one angel. Well, I wish we could have TikToked that. One angel, and it says that he slaughtered 185,000 special force Assyrian well, soldiers. Well, the good example, modern day, um, would be the war that's going on now with the two nations. Ukraine oh, with Ukraine? And yeah. Russia. Well, 
Russia said, we'll just come there and wipe you out in a matter of three days. Well, now they're like... They're discovering Russia wasn't quite what they were claiming to be. Uh-huh. And they, they, haven't, they haven't kept up their training weapon yeah. like that. But uh, I have uh, intel from all that, and, and Mr. Putin's not quite the bad guy they're making him out to be. You cannot trust our press. Oh, really? They're making him out to be this what horrible... What gave you the first clue? <laughs> he's not the horrible, horrible monster they're making him out to be. Mr. Putin is doing the world a favor because the Ukraine is the seat of the biological warfare, the seat of child trafficking, the seat of the drug trade. All those things go through the Ukraine. The seat of World War II German Nazism, they all, there were, there were thousands of the leaders of the Nazi party escaped out of Germany out of tunnels, and that very well is where they ended up. And so there's a lot of that going on there. Uh, they still have designs on world domination, not much chance out of the Ukraine, but they were, they were, they've discovered 40-something labs that were making COVID-type stuff in there, biological warfare elements and stuff. They're, they're burning and they're blowing them up. That's what Putin actually was doing. He was coming over there because uh, Ukraine. And another thing that's another big issue that people don't realize if the truth came out, they would be taking Mr. Biden and lynching him. <laughs> Everybody wants to and know. His fam- and his family. Well, I know that. They, they, you know, all the, all the stuff that's being pumped out at us about that. Oh, inflation is Putin's fault. People, open your economics textbook. Inflation is caused very simply by a nation diluting the value of its currency by printing a whole lot more of them than you have stuff to, to, to buy with it. They go, and, and there's nothing to back. There's no gold or anything to back the extra dollars they're printing or whatever or manufacturing, and there's none of that. And so they flood the market with these trillions of extra dollars, and what's going to happen? Uh, the dollar becomes worth less. 1910, the U.S. dollar is worth uh, uh, 95% more than it's worth today. It's only worth 5% of what it was in 1910. People but, don't know that. People but have, yeah, we can't print our own money like they do in a copier. Well, they do. I know, no, but we, we can't, can't. We can't, but I mean, the government's doing that very yeah, thing know, with printing press. It's the same. They're printing, and they're not just printing. They're, they're creating through, through computerization, yeah. putting trillions of dollars into circulation. They don't even talk about the national debt anymore. No, no because it's, it's worthless. It's not real anymore. No. Is it? We, no one could ever pay it. So people don't realize that is a, oh, Lord, that's a, yeah, we gotta, that's a huge... Uh, issue the Ukraine. They, they, I, I had friends who worked in the White House with the President of the United States, and they all of them say this: nothing that you ever see on your news in the evening is the truth. They say everything. They said follow the money trail to find the truth, and he said none of that. It's all pre-manufactured, pre-scripted, all that stuff. Everything you see, none of that's ever the truth. Well, they admitted the White House has admitted it's teleprompter. Well, yeah. I can I can I can sit here and write a script and throw it on the screen for yeah. somebody to read. But it's scripted by the people who actually run the world, which yeah. uh, he who has the gold makes the rules, the new golden rule. So it's the banking cartel industry and all that actually rules everything. And the the mega corporations actually rule. But the politicians are their puppets, so to speak. And that's what these people were saying that saw from the inside, they say I said they, they watched and saw there were times that they would change the script at the last minute. Because they didn't want the, they want people to think of it. What they're trying to do is to influence the thinking of the people, the herd to go a certain direction. Is what they're trying to do. Well, look at this too. There's a song about. I should actually pull it up real quick. But there's a song that's about. They actually have a whole disinformation campaign now. Mm-hmm. But they just you, did away with it today. Mr. Biden just pulled it back, wiped it out today. Well. So we think. Well, yeah, that's the report. That, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's you know, I get stuff from different people and stuff, but he's supposedly today he's he said no more. It lasted as long as CNN Plus did. <laughs> oh, Not quite as long. So anyway, we got off on all this political stuff, but that's, that's what the friends that worked there told me. Nothing is ever the truth that you see on the news. It's all scripted and what they want you to believe and how they want you to act. We see that with this this pandemic of the last two years. Today, I still see people going around wearing these crazy masks, which 
You know, Mr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci even said they don't really protect against disease agents, viral disease agents. They're good to keep you from spitting in an open wound if you operate on someone, but they're not going to keep viruses from coming into your mouth, in your nose and mouth. It's they might, they it's, may help you if you have a cold or something. Keep you from spitting on people, yes. Yeah. But uh, viruses and stuff, Are they're small. so little. They I, I've said it's as if this is your yard and you build a chain link fence around your yard to keep mosquitoes from your Mm-hmm. from your doors and windows that's the equivalent of it with the mask better get wrapping up, though. so we need to wrap up sorry about that streamers mm. <laughs> we we got off on our opinions content. about some things <laughs> content will continue i was mean to get to how the heart of the warrior the importance of purity because that verse in second corinthians 10 uh, the weapons of our you know this verse right the weapons of our warfare are not carnal they're not fleshly they're not from this but they're mighty through the pulling down of strongholds imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge what we know of Jesus Christ and spiritual life it's it's a it's a, a spiritual mental battle and part of that thing is keeping control of the thinking process the believing process so faith faith is something that you think I mean it, it needs to come out of your spirit and be a spiritual thing but it's something you end up thinking the body of what you believe is what the the uh, Greek definition of pistis, faith is, is the body of what you believe, what you've planted of this in here and, and digested. That's what it is. So the important thing is to stay in the faith. Are we done there? No, we're still done. Stay in the faith of God, to stay hooked up completely, to stay understanding as a warrior that our assignment, we've been entrusted with that valuable thing, that, that new commandment that goes beyond any of this, I mean, think about it. If you love someone, you're not going to try to cheat with their wife, are you, or steal their wife, right? That was a commandment, right? That was one of the ten. You don't commit adultery, right? If you love someone, you're not going to go steal their bank account, right? If you love someone, you're not going to covet their house and their farm. You're not going to lust after it wanting to take it away from right? If you love someone, you're not going to do any of those commandments, the ten or any of the other things in Leviticus and Numbers in there. You're not going to do that. That's the new law of God. That's why he said, I give you a new commandment. It goes beyond any of this and surpasses it. It's something that actually comes from out of deep within the heart, the new heart that God has given us, rather than the academic thinking mind. Because you realize, you think about that, relatively speaking, the mind is really a weak thing, honestly. It can be broken. With enough physical circumstance and pressure, it can be broken. But the spirit, the inner man in here, it's not so easy to break. Especially if you planted the proper plantings, the proper seed in here and let it grow so there's a harvest point.